This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Knicks fans, um, oh Jesus, I can't, I can't even muster the energy necessary for this. It's your boy Jonathan Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Um, we have done, this is the 98th one of these I have done, and I have done them after 30-point losses, um, but this is going to be the most um, sobering, subdued, I don't know what the right word is, so... I could only think of one person to bring on, and it is the only person out there I could think of that objectively reports on this team, but at the same time is unabashedly a fan. Um, And I don't know how he toes that line, but he does. Um, And of course, I am talking about the one, the only, the incomparable Tommy Beer. Um, Tommy, just, um, you know, how you doing? Uh, I just wish we had something to talk about, you know. What are we going to talk about? Uh, Frank Nilakina's uh, jump shot progress, maybe he's making the summer. Uh, maybe some Luke Cornett advanced stats. What the Knicks have the 57th overall pick. We could talk about some guys maybe that, that could fall to them at the end of the second round, you know. Oh, God. You have to laugh, right? I mean, what? Yeah. what's the other option? Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah. You, a surreal, crazy, unbelievable, wild, um, yeah, just a, just a, a, you know, it's not often you get left speechless, but uh, the NBA will do it to you, and last night was, was one of those nights. I, I actually, before we even get to the Knicks, I, I just, you know, because you're not only a fan of the league in general, but you're also a historian of the league, um, a really, really good one. Do you, can you remember a night that had, like it had it all. I, I, can you remember a night quite like last night in terms of everything? I, I, I can't. I, I really can't. You know, unfortunately, and, and a few people have mentioned this on Twitter. The I, there was a shot in the air to win a NBA final. There's never been a buzzer beater in the history of the sport in that's the a, NBA finals. It's a great call. And Kyle Lowry had a shot. You know, just that whole ending sequence was wild. The two timeouts by Nick Nurse, which I will never understand to this day. The Warriors, in the final 30 seconds of an elimination game, got a backcourt violation and then an offensive foul on two subsequent possessions and still won the game. And Kyle Lowry had a chance to win a finals. The shot was in the air. Obviously, it looks like, you know, Draymond Green got a piece of it. But we almost had our first buzzer beater and nobody talked about it. it I, I haven't heard one person talk about Kyle Lowry shot or the, the fact that uh, Nick Nurse didn't call a timeout to set up that that final play. And they ran a double. T- I mean, um, and just that. But what I was going to quickly allude to was that tip. Uh, three point attempt by Kyle Lowry yeah. reminded me of the John Stark shot, which oh, 
I'm, su- I'm sure a few people who Starks himself, I actually had the privilege of talking to Starks uh, about that game. Um, people forget how hot he was in that fourth quarter. Um, so well, he eight- finished with, what, 26 for the I, game? Am I... I- I think it was 27, and I think he had 16 in the fourth quarter. I'll look it up, but um, he wasn't just playing well. He was playing as well as he, you know, had all season. Um, And obviously people talk about the two for 17 in game seven, but he, they wouldn't have been, you know, they wouldn't have been close in that game six. Um, And he told me for a fact, he said, I I knew that shit was going in as soon as they left. (laughs) Um, But anyway, I digress. Yeah. Um, Um, No, but but you nailed it. to, to, To your point, that's just the game stuff. That, but so the Warriors, in incredible fashion, staved off elimination after the gut punch of all gut punches. Incredible win, and their general manager was crying at a press conference 10 minutes after what was one of the more improbable victories in a finals game in recent history. Um, and, and, was, and you talk about subdued and somber, a team that just had won an incredible game. The coach, the star player, and the general manager was literally holding back tears. Um, to your point, I don't, I cannot remember um, a, a night that had all of that within a, a, you know, a couple hours span. Yeah. And the, th- you know, and I sent out a tweet after the game. I said, I, I could never remember another season that felt like it was completely over until it wasn't a few minutes later. And a few yeah. people came back at me with Game 6 um, Miami-San Antonio. And 100%, that obviously, they, they had wheeled out the, the trophy uh, for that game. Apparently, uh, I don't know if, if they were kidding or not, but I, Wendy said on his post-game pod um, that the trophy and like Bill Russell were in the, like, the alleyway, I guess, for, from the locker room to the court last night. Um, so, you know, they were obviously preparing... The thing that stuck out more to me about the game last night is that it it took like it was like a freak bounce and then like a tip and a, just a couple of, of freak things that allowed um, Miami to get back in that game. Last night it was like a team came back from the dead. All, you know the Warriors when they went down six. I mean we all thought it was over and then and then it wasn't. Let me ask you this, because the whole time we've been kind of leading up to these finals as Knicks fans, right? We've been trying to figure out how the outcome of the, the finals, one way or the other, Durant plays, Durant doesn't play, would affect what would happen this summer. And I think it's actually kind of interesting that for as crazy of a game that took place last night, um, how much of an effect do you think the outcome of the game will have on anything that's going to happen from here? Obviously putting aside the Durant injury for a second, but just the outcome of the game. Uh, good question. I, I think, I guess the, the most direct response to that would be, how does it impact Kawhi Leonard? Yeah, um, basically. Is, is, I guess the corollary would be, does the do Durant injury eliminate Kawhi altogether? Because um, it sounded like the rumors, uh, Chris Carter specifically, um, with Kawhi considering New York, uh, and I think his quote was, it's, that the chances are higher than people expect, or something along those lines. Um, but that was kind of in conjunction with teaming up with with uh, with KD in New York. So um, is that uh, option been completely eliminated? Obviously, you know, probably only Kawhi can answer that question. Maybe Uncle Dennis might be able to chime in. But um, <laughs> We'll get him on the next uh, episode of the podcast. 
there you go. Um, but yeah, I think that would probably be, um, you know, so, uh, but then I don't even know the answer to that. Is, 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 is Kawhi more likely to leave if he wins a championship and kind of says, listen, Toronto, I gave you a title. Now I'm going to go back home or, you know, move on to New York or, you know, or does he, if he loses, does that mean he's going to stay? Cause he has something to prove. Um, I, I just, there's just so many questions and I, I think you touched on it in your, um, what you wrote about in the in the newsletter this morning everybody out there make sure you subscribe to the the Knicks fan school newsletter look at you giving me the plug man I didn't even tell you to do this this is great a must read for any for any Knicks fans out there. Um, but yeah, I think there's just so many questions that you know it, 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 you don't even know where to start the questions. That, well, let let's start with the one that I think you know predictably has kind of dominated the conversation already. Um, and I, you know, I would expect it to dominate conversation for the next three weeks. Um, and obviously, some things could go could happen that could change it. But um, just on its face, are you sorry, John? Yeah, no, no, no worries. Um, that's Uncle Dennis, I think, calling you. Actually, he heard he heard us talking from from maybe you know down the hallway from where I'm recording. Um, are you entertaining the thought? of um still going after Kevin Durant um in a big way. And I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, trying to convince him to to take some crazy injury protection laden deal or you know a, a 1 plus 1 or so, you know, I'm talking about getting him the only way that you could probably 100% get him and that's like, okay, we believe in you. We know you're going to sit out the year. We don't know what you're going to be like when you come back. We still want you to be you know, to essentially retire a Nick. It, where are you on that sliding scale? I don't know yet. Um, I'd like to give you a hundred percent answer. I, I, my gut says, don't, don't do it. Um, I, I don't think you can, I don't think you can afford to go after Kevin Durant at, at this, at this current moment. Um, I, I looked at the numbers. It's, any non-warrior team, so the Knicks could offer him a four-year deal for $164 million. So it's $38.2 million next season, a 40.1 the following season, 42.1 the season thereafter, final year of the deal, 2020-2023, when Kevin Durant is 34 years old, he'll, be, he'll earn $44.2 million. It's a lot of money, Tommy. A lot of money. You're paying him $38.2 million for next year, and I just – the the history of players coming back from Achilles injuries is obviously not favorable. Um, there are some outlier exceptions. I, I tweeted about Dominique Wilkins, yeah. um, you know, impressive bounce back season after tearing his Achilles at 32. Um, but I, I think at this stage of the game, we can almost assume that he's not going to play a minute uh, next season. You know, is there a chance he comes back less no, months? I, I guess. I think. I think that's. A safe assumption. Yeah, I think probably that's it's certainly better than fifty percent. He doesn't play at all next season. So the, the next time we'll see him, he'll be thirty-two years old, coming off a, a season lost to an Achilles injury, making forty million dollars. Um, I don't think he'll earn that value. I don't think he'll be a solid return on that investment if you commit forty. You know, that, that's you know thirty-five percent of the cap, thirty-three percent of the cap, somewhere along those lines, depending whether it's one hundred sixteen or wherever it falls at. Um, you know, for the 2021 season, um, there, there are some arguments that can be made for, for signing him. It, 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 it kind of, I think if you don't sign him, 
and I've written about this before, the worst case scenario for the Knicks always was never going to be striking out on Durant and Kawhi Leonard and Kyrie Irving, whoever the, whoever the case may be. The worst case scenario for, for the Knicks this offseason was failing to sign those players and then signing DeMarcus Cousins and Bingo. Jimmy. To, yeah. a, to, a, to a $200 million worth of, of guaranteed money. That was always the worst-case scenario. I'm assuming the Knicks are smart enough not to fall into that. Um, that, and, that and the messaging they've sent out would also seem to lead us to believe they are too smart for that. But continue. 100, 100%. Unfortunately, we have seen times where messaging does, doesn't always match, match actions. I don't know uh, what you're talking about at all. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I can't. I, I don't remember. Anyway. <clears throat> we haven't seen Scott Perry led front office, but you're right. Every, everything, everything they've gone on record, they would really have to backtrack um, <clears throat> if they were to do that. So, um, so that being said, if you're not going to be a championship contender, <clears throat> you, you want to you know commit to the young guys, rebuild the right way. One of the ways to do that is to kind of kick the can down the road and you know save your cap space for the following season, um, and that would mean. Signing a guy like Kevin Durant, even though it's a risky, he's coming off an Achilles injury, etc. This way, you lock him up, and you, you pre- and that in a way, it prevents you from foolishly spending that cap space on other players that that might not necessarily deserve it. Um, so, I understand there are arguments to be made for the decision to sign KD, um, but assuming he's going to demand the max, I I would uh, I would politely decline and say, uh, Kevin, we'd love to take a look at you next season, or um, assuming he opts in, or maybe signs somewhere else. Um, but given the choices at this very moment, um, I would I would not sign Durant to a max deal. The, the funny thing, and you just kind of alluded to it, um, talk about how quickly things could change. At this point, I, I would imagine most Knicks fans and the Knicks themselves would treat him opting into this final year of his contract as easily the best case scenario so they could almost – um, postpone this decision for a year. Now, obviously, if he sits out the entire season, they're not going to have any on-court evidence of of what he would look like before they would theoretically be able to go after him in the summer of 2020. But you would have, um, you know, this. You would be able to see where you're at this summer. I mean, again, as you said, Kawhi probably not likely for a number of reasons, um, and you know, who knows what happens between now and a year from now. The, the thing that I can't kind of shake, other than the fact that I think because of the, the fact that he's just an otherworldly shooter, I think maybe he could age more gracefully, even at, you know, 85% of what his, his physical peak was. Even putting that aside for a second. Uh, uh, just, just real quick. Yeah, I, sure. Go for it. I agree with you there, and I think that's an important point. This is not Russell Westbrook, you know, for exactly. when he, whenever he gets robbed of his athleticism is a fraction of the player that he once was. Durant can easily transition to a Dirkish phase of his career where he's just, you know, kind of limited to an outside shooter. And as you point out, even if he's um, a diminished version of himself, he's still an incredibly valuable NBA player. And then the, the obvious corollary to that is, okay, great. He's still valuable. Is he worth? what you're paying him. And then that gets into the separate question of opportunity cost. And what is the opportunity cost? What else are you doing with the money? And again, as as you already alluded to, the thinking is that they'll be able to be smart and take on, you know, some bad assets in exchange for draft picks and continue to, to, you know, build the way they've done over the last year. The the point that I want to get your input on, because I legitimately don't know if I am a crazy person for thinking it at all, or if there's some legitimacy to it. And it's this. The Mets, um, as you 
may uh, have heard have been a joke at different parts uh, of their franchise's history. And I remember when, and I'm not a big Met fan, but I'm big enough to remember when they signed Pedro, it was like, oh, there's a legitimacy to them now. And Pedro gave them one, I would say, good year, and then he spent most of the next three years of his contract injured. Big difference. Obviously, there's no salary cap in baseball. It goes without saying. He would be taking up, as you said, a huge portion of the cap in basketball. I just, I wonder if that is even something that should enter into the discussion. And you could tell me, no, it shouldn't. You're crazy. And I'd say, all right, fine. I, I don't think you're wrong. I just, it's a thought that entered my mind. And I haven't really flushed it out yet. So what do you think of that, if anything? No, I, I certainly think that's a good example. And there are other examples in, in history where you're paying somebody. Typically, smart franchises pay players for what the player will produce on the court, field, ice, etc. Yeah. in the years going forward. But there is also that intangible element, um, you know, as a, as a for instance, although it's not directly related – had the Knicks signed Durant, and I was in the process of working of working up an article on this, as um, as as, as uh, unfortunately many people have been in the position before, it's not I think can trash that piece right now. But it was the players. In other words, if if the Knicks signed Durant, the best allocation of their resources was not necessarily to sign Kyrie Irving as a sidekick for thirty seven million dollars. It was to sign Pat Beverly and Danny Green. And, you know, and or Julius Randle, um, you know, or just a, a, a combination of guys making around eight ish million dollars um, to flesh out the roster and, you know, give you a solid core. But also with some upside, some outside shooting, a little bit of durability, um, you know, just the, and, and, and I bring that up to bring up the Pat Beverly point that I would have been willing to overpay Pat Beverly, um, whatever his value, let's say his value was uh, $7.8 million by however you want to comp, you know, however you want sure. to yeah. metric. I would have paid him X times, um, you know, times 5%, uh, you know, 100, you know, um, that's what I've been willing to give to Pat Beverly because he brings a, a tenacity, um, a, a defensive intensity that you can't, that, 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 yes, if you have a coach that preaches defense, that's one thing. But if you have a guy that will get in you, if you're not playing hard, you know, think about Frank, if you have a guy that's, a, that's making, that's almost forcing him to be aggressive offensively as his, as he is defensively. Um, you know, I think that there's value there. It's why Marcus Smart, you could argue is worth $12 million a year, even though he's a 30, whatever, 8% shooter from the floor. A hundred percent. And the Andre Roberson guys. Um, but those just, you know, just, and that's just specifically for the for the for the value that they bring on the floor defensively but i just in even you know there there is just this there's a reason that um that 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 cuban will pay dirk five million dollars more when he's only worth a vet minimum at this because there's he he impacts winning it arguably more than than a guy at the other end of the roster that's more physically talented that's a better player etc etc um so i totally understand what you're saying um and just a couple of the things Durant related, just because I thought of it again, um, this is something I, I still don't know exactly where I sit on it. Um, but this is one of those things that are going to have to be fleshed out over the days and weeks ahead. At some point, the Knicks are going to have to reach the salary floor. <laughs> you know? yeah. I'm happy you said that. I just thought of it, you know, but the, the salary cap's 180 million. So I think the floor is 98 million. Um, the Knicks have, are going to have to get there. And I, ideally, I would like the, the, the smartest thing for the Knicks would do for the Knicks to do would be to do what the Hawks just did. 
um, take on the Alan Krabs of the world and take the 17th pick back in it. Um, if they're not going to get Kawhi or, you know, et cetera. Can I ask uh, you a quick related yeah. question to that? Cause somebody asked me today on Twitter, um, do you think this injury opens up at least the chance that they would do such a move before draft night? And I was like, well, there was a 0% chance of it before the injury. Now maybe there's like a, Five percent chance, a ten percent chance. I don't think they will, but it's just something that somebody asked me, and I'm curious what you would. Oh, you're saying the Knicks take on a dead take on dead money? Literally, in the next nine days. In which, the next nine days. Yeah, so uh, basically torpedoing their double max cap slot, which would basically be admitting defeat before you've ever had a chance to fight the battle. Right. I don't think they do that because they, from from everything we understand, they have a meeting with Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. Um, so I don't think they would do that. Just if there's a zero point five percent chance that they that they get Kawhi Leonard, um, the enough. only chance they would get Kawhi Leonard in this situation is Kawhi Leonard says, "Listen, I want to come play for the Knicks, but I need Anthony Davis to be here as well." And then you can trade him at the cap space, or you know, they just you leave your options open. Sure. Um, if you have a chance to get arguably the best player on the planet right now, um, which is Kawhi Leonard, I, I don't think you, you you submarine your chances, um, especially when you fought that hard um, going into. Um, um, but, uh, what was I going to say just as, as far, but, um, in relation to the Knicks, um, potentially taking on, uh, dead weight contracts to accumulate assets, draft yes. assets, young players, et cetera. I don't know if there's as much of a demand for, t- you know, in other words, would the Nets have made the trade they did 48 hours, you know, if they knew Durant wasn't, was, was out for the year. That's interesting. Would they have would 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 they have made that deal had they not known had they known that KD you know because I think obviously if, even if it was a long shot I think going into a meeting with Kyrie they would have said listen we can get to seventy million dollars if you can convince Durant or you know if we're on the same page here and Durant wants to come let's let's bang this thing out you know we can get there if you if you guys want to do it I don't know if they would have done it I they probably still would have getting rid of Kareb makes sense for a lot of reasons um yeah but, but there were other there were other avenues you could have uh, renounced uh, Ronde Hollis Jefferson and stretched Crab. you could there were different ways to get to one max slot uh, uh, totally but the, exa- right exactly but they could not have gotten to two without yeah, dealing with Crab. you're right um, I, you but, just but, sorry finish what you were you saying but, but I guess I would just say that that the the so I say that to say I don't know if there are as many teams. You know, twenty four hours ago, let's say there were four teams that were willing to do whatever they had to do to get rid of seventeen million dollars to get you know two thirty five million dollars in cap space or seventy million dollars in cap space. I don't know if those teams feel that same way today. So therefore, I don't know if the appeal of having a using your cap space as a way station or a dumping ground for other teams' bad contracts is as valuable as it was 24 hours ago. I, I, I agree with you that there's not going to be the amount of teams that we think looking to dump salary to sign more players. I do think sometimes in New York, because um, the one thing that this owner has always done is, is not worried about money. The thing that we underestimate sometimes is the, um, the luxury tax and how desperately other organizations want to stay out of that. Yes. And I think that, you know, uh, Danny LaRue of The Athletic, a few, it was maybe a month or two ago, he wrote a good article on some stretch provision candidates. Um, you know, teams might stretch guys to, to duck, the, duck the tax. Um, maybe, you know, you call up some of those teams and potentially yep. say, hey, we'll take on, you know, such and such a player. Are you getting a first round pickback? Um, you know, maybe not. Uh, maybe it's heavy protected. Yeah. Heavily protected. Heavily protected, yeah. You yes. know, who knows? Um, 
Good point. You mentioned his name before, so I'm going to bring him up, and we'll, we'll probably start to close it out with this. Anthony Davis, um, you may have heard, is uh, not happy where he is. How much? Because I actually think the biggest he, he the the biggest um, uh, domino to fall, so to speak, based on last night's happenings. Um, for the Knicks, other than obviously Durant, is is AD, and I think he's completely and totally wrapped up in terms of what the Knicks do or don't do there um, with what happened last night. Where do you stand now on that situation? Another fascinating question. Another and there, there are no right answers, right? I'm asking you these questions no. knowing that there's no right answer, but I, to- you know, totally. I, I, I you know, it's I, this is one of those situations where you can reasonable people can certainly disagree. Yeah. Um, I think another loser, you know, another team that was, you know, negatively impacted by the Durant injury was the Pelicans because I think it makes the Knicks. Are the Knicks still a suitor for Anthony Davis? Yes. Would they still make the, an Anthony Davis trade under the right scenario? Yes. Do I think they'd give up the same value that they would have given up 24 hours ago? No. I think the the Anthony Davis trade, the only way they would have given up the farm, so to speak, you know, the 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 Mitrob, Knox, and Barrett, and draft picks. The full sushi boat. The whole. The, the full poo-poo platter godfather offer was, go. was if – Durant said, listen, the only way I'm signing here is if you get KD and or Mills and, and Perry felt the only way we have a chance at KD or the only way we lock in KD is if we go to the meeting with uh, AD already on the roster. Um, and, I, and I think that's no longer the case. So um, do the Pelicans and with Anthony Davis you know, leaking that the, the, the Knicks and the Lakers are the only teams he's willing to play for or sign long term with? Um, do they now, you know, what, where, where do the Pelicans go? Do they drop their asking price? Obviously they came out yesterday, um, and with Griffin leaking that he's, you know, asking for the moon, which he should obviously, um, do, how far does that asking price drop before the Knicks, um, get into the fray? I was pro Anthony Davis. I thought it made a lot of sense. I think, um, Anthony Davis is an incredibly talented player. I think you and I are on the same page yes. here. <laughs> yes, we are. When you have a, it's very rare that you have a player as talented as Anthony, as a 26 year old Anthony Davis, to trade for him. Um, so if if you have that opportunity, it would be a, a malpractice not to explore every opportunity and seriously consider giving whatever the asking price is within relative reason. Um, you know, for that for the opportunity to 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 have that player under your control. Um, I wrote a little bit about. I think it would probably only make sense if they if he would agree to a three year contract. I was just about I was just about to return the favor and bring up that article to say to everybody if you haven't read Tommy's article about the way that uh, the Knicks could basically instantly. Um, well, would you call that a contract restructuring? It wouldn't be a, a restructuring necessarily, would it? It's actually both. You restructure the and contract. And extend, right? Exactly. Restructure okay. and extend. That's what um, James Harden had done. It's, it's a couple times it's happened in the past. And that would get him uh, – well, nothing's ever guaranteed in the NBA anymore, but um, under contract with the Knicks for three years starting next season, correct? Correct. So it's not just the one-year rental. They would have him two years um, through 2021, then 2022, and then he would be able to opt out 
um, and become a unrestricted free agent. The Knicks would obviously have his bird rights and could sign for five years, et cetera. But the reason it would make sense for, for Anthony Davis from a financial perspective is that when he that's when he would qualify for that max tier of, of that. If he if he becomes a free agent this summer, he can only sign for thirty percent of the cap because he only has between seven and nine years of free agency experience. Whereas if he opts out um, after that third season, he would have be, uh, he would have ten plus years of experience, which means his starting salary, as opposed to thirty percent of the cap, would be 35 percent of the cap um and just to kind of put that in context the most he could make in annual salary if he opted out this year would be 32 million dollars if he opted out after that 10 year um after that 10th year in the league it would be around 46 million dollars assuming the cap had, had risen as well so um there, there there are some reasons where he wouldn't necessarily be sacrificing money um so it would benefit the knicks by them locking him up and not giving away the way the farm for a guy that's a one-year rental because i just don't especially now that Durant's not going to play, whether the Knicks sign him or not, Durant's not going to play for the Knicks next season. Um, I just can't see mortgaging the future for what would be a one-year rental. And not because he's – comparing him to Carmelo Anthony is, a, is, is, a, is, a, is an insult to the type of player Anthony Davis is. Um, taking nothing away from Carmelo Anthony's prime, but it's just it's, – they're it's not – different. They're, it's, a, it's a different conversation. You're, you're right, <laughs> 100%. You know, so um, – that being said, I, I you know, and and Anthony Davis was on a team with Drew Holiday and, and some other decent quality pieces, Julius Randle, and they couldn't qualify the, for the playoffs. That's the West, you know, more competition, but best case scenario. And as much as I as as high and on Anthony Davis as I am, it's very difficult to envision the Knicks being a you know. The, the 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 danger again. The reason why the worst case scenario was not again not whiffing on everybody this offseason. The worst case scenario signing the Demarcus Cousins and Chris Middletons of the world for a two hundred million dollars in contract is because it locks you into that five six seven seed that 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 not quite the eight nine zone that the Knicks were in forever, um, but the five six seven seed. It's without, no man's land. It's, it's it's no man's land. The Knicks have worked so hard. To be in the position where they have three, where they have cap space and young players, um, that it would be foolish to um, waste that hard-earned space on on uh, you know on players that are not going to deliver and that give you a, ch- a realistic chance to compete for a challenge. I, I couldn't agree with you more on the idea that now trading for Davis, um, you know, when he could leave in a year, it, it's it's that's off the table. I guess the, the, the last well, – we could finish on this. The interesting question left for me is now if you are a Knicks fan and, and you're being realistic and you're probably saying the chances of Kawhi are – I mean I, I don't even know how you begin to put a number on it. 10 percent, 15, 20, I, you know, something in that range. It's not it's, – it's nowhere near the likelihood that we, we kind of thought Durant was um, you know, before yesterday. So now you're almost looking at a situation where it's like, okay, we're continuing with the rebuild, which I think a lot of fans would be totally up for. But I, I think the reality is that if you are not trading for Davis, that is the way in all likelihood they're going to go. So then it's like, all right, is there a way that you trade for Davis? It would The only possible way that you would do it is if he agreed to the extension that you're saying um, where he would commit to three years. And then the question is, all right, let's say he does that. How much do you give up for for him? And it's like it, you're, you're still probably going to need to give up close to the farm, if not the farm. And then you're looking at literally a roster of Anthony Davis and me and you and Luke Cornett <laughs> and, and 70. Oh, at that point, it would be like about because there's cap hold, uh, minimum cap holds and, and such um, and 70 million dollars. It's like, do you have faith that 
whatever's left over in the free agent market, you put around Anthony Davis. But then again, you know, that's your team. You've just, you know, you're a team of, of, of a bunch of guys you went out and bought. Um, does it fit together? What's the ceiling? It, it opens up a whole Pandora's box of questions, which is why I guess we're, we're back to square one and it's, it's, it's rebuilding. We're going to just continue on the path. I think that's probably what we're looking at, right? Yeah, I think obviously the, the trading for AD without the agreeing to extension is is, is a non-starter. I, I, you know, it just can't. It, it literally makes no sense. Yeah. Um, so, but that being said, you know, do you if and when the Knicks ever have cap space, what are the chances they're able to sign a player as good as Anthony Davis? You know, very minimal. Yeah. Um, what are the chances that and I'm high on R.J. Barrett that R.J. Barrett and I'm high on Mitch Robinson or Mitch Robinson. Please, please. I know what you're going to say and I can't wait for you to say it. Please say it. The chances of those guys ever being 75 or 85 percent as good as Anthony Davis are slim to none. Um, you know, that's just as good as Anthony Davis is. So if you have the opportunity and listen, and the one thing we that, that, that we've learned over the last 20, 30 years I've been watching basketball, if you don't have a top five, top 10 caliber player, you can't win a championship. The only team that's done that since 2004, since the Pistons won in 2004, you know, if you don't have LeBron or Kobe, uh, you know, or, or Kawhi Leonard or Kevin Durant and Steph Curry, um, you don't have a chance to to win a championship, um, uh, you know, or, or even get to a finals. You know, if you don't have Tim Duncan and Kawhi Leonard, you know, so getting one of those players and that's what Anthony Davis has the ability to be. He has that type of ability. There are very few people on the planet that have that type of talent. He has that type of talent. Um, it's all a question of, you know, so then you have him and, you know, you give away pieces, but then you still have 40, $50 million in cap space. Um, if not more, I think, I think you could, depending on how the math works out, I think you could have even a little bit more. Hundred percent. There's not a lot of there's not a, you know the, the the free agency class of 2020 is not as appealing as the free agency class of 2019. Um, but you know who's to say that the Wizards don't aren't desperate to get rid of Bradley Beal? Um, you know, and then you can you know pair Anthony Davis and Beal up. You know, um, or and you know for argument's sake again you know the, the, a thousand different questions. Do you save the pieces that you would trade for Anthony Davis to get a guy like Bradley Beal? You can get him a little bit cheaper again. The importance is keeping that cap space because that's one of the um, that's one of the assets that you will have. There'll be you know if you were now what the what the what the Knicks could do and now that I just thought of it again um, without having to sign Kevin Durant to a big contract this summer is now you take Solomon Hill along with Anthony Davis in a Pelicans deal um, maybe, and maybe lessens the price a little bit and yeah. that maybe lets you keep another first round pick instead of giving you know instead of giving away um, the number three pick and uh, Mitchell Robinson and the first round pick maybe it's just uh, you know uh, Knox and Mitchell Robinson whatever the case might be if you're willing to take back something um, or you get a, another team that as you mentioned that's willing to that's desperate to dump salary um, you know again keeping that cap space is super important that's why you don't want to waste it um, is, is I guess one of the morals of the of this of the podcast so to speak well, last question I'll let you go did the I, I literally just thought of this and it might be a ridiculous question did the Knicks summer I'm not saying better or worse did the Knicks summer from a front office perspective get easier or harder after last night good question um, I don't know the answer to it. That's I, why I, I asked you. 
I, I don't know either. You know, I had a, I had the opportunity to sit down um, with Steve Mills and Scott Perry yesterday for a story I'm working on. Oh wow, awesome! It, yeah, yeah, it should be posted on on Father's Day. It's actually um, about uh, their their heroics. Their um, their their both of their fathers were actually um, were trailblazers that that crashed through glass ceilings and um, color barriers. Um, so so some really interesting stuff. So um, that was you know it's just funny how 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 a day can you know change. Like you know as of last night we, you had. The, the report that K, that Kawhi was considering playing with KD in the morning. Then R.J. Barrett works out for the Knicks and says, I'm not working out anywhere else. This is where I want to be. I hope they draft me. Um, you know, and then and then um, AD comes out and says, I only want to play for the Knicks or the Lakers. Um, and then, you know, we saw what happens with uh, KD in the, in, the, in the second quarter of that game and everything's kind of turned upside down. As far as offseason, I, I think it probably, you know, you could argue it makes it more difficult because their decision – as of you know, as of 24 hours ago, was not really KD or bust. You don't want to say that, um, but yeah, if they got KD, that would kind of you know that would make it that would, that would make their summer very easy. It didn't require any thought either. Like that right. was that was a given. Yeah, no brainer from all sides. No fans would complain. Now they really have some tough decisions to make. You know, if they have a chance to sign, um, you know. Uh, you know who's a you know like who's a, a mid tier Jimmy Mal- Butler. Jimmy you know. Butler. I think even he's thirty. I think we would both agree that that's probably not a good allocation. Um, I'm, I'm not. I'm no, I'm good. Well, how much do you pay if Malcolm Brogdon is available? You know, like where, what direction do they go now? Yeah. Um, one, one last thing I thought of today, actually, too, is the same way. And I'll flesh this out some, you know, when I think about it. But the same way the revised lottery format hurt the Knicks this year. I could see it helping the Knicks next year because if totally. they have to chase the bottom, they don't have to try to be as bad as possible next year. They could try to, try to put some talented young guys around the Knox Barrett formula um, and maybe sign a guy that is in the that falls into the Julius Randle scope that he was last year, where the Lakers let him go, and he wanted to sign a one and one with somebody. That would let him play, but also compete, and you know. So he he signed a one in one year deal with the with the. If they could, the Knicks could get somebody like that. Ideally, the Knicks would sign players that they would have a team option as opposed to a player option. So if you get that Noah Vonley situation where the guy kind of exceeds expectations and outperforms expectations, you could bring him back, um, you know, without losing him. That would be the ideal scenario. But you, you know, but if if you if in other words, they don't have to worry about being pretty good. They can be in that six or seven or eight worst team in the league where they're still competitive most nights and maybe they make a run. But they also, if they fall into that, that, that category, you know, they have a decent chance of. of and, and can I just say, I, I don't think that that should be an option. I think that should be an imperative. Tanking needs to look. I know Scott Perry and Fizz, will, will, they're never going to say that they tanked. And, and, and to a certain extent, I believe them. But. Look, let's call it what it was. This was a tanking season. Yes. That I don't think it's healthy for them. I don't think there's any way that it could be healthy for them to go through another year like that. And for anybody who's who's sitting here today like, okay, great, let's have another, you know, 17 or 20 win season. No. They need to, whether it's like you said, signing one-year deals with players who you overpay drastically, but they're good players. Um, they, like, that's... I think it's like you, like you said, you've been watching basketball for 20, 30 years. You just kind of get a feel sometimes when a team needs to take a step. It doesn't have to be a huge step, but it needs to be a step. And I think by hook or by crook, one way or another heading into the season, despite what happened last night, they, 
that needs to happen. So yeah, we'll see. All right. It's just, and then it gets, but then there's a fascinating, it's a very treacherous line there though, where, you know, people, they will get accused of, you know, not rebuilding the right way. I, I agree with you. I don't disagree with your point. Um, but it's still a, it's tough. It's tough. It's a tough line. It's a tough to straddle, you know, to serve two masters rebuilding the right way, which is maximizing cap space and, and focusing on youth versus taking a step in the right direction. Um, but not too far of a step where, you know, in other words, you you're know, still playing the kids. You're still playing yeah. the young players. You're still letting them grow. You're still remembering who your core is, what your foundation for the future is, but you try to balance that, you know? So maybe instead of instead of Emmanuel Moutier playing God knows how many minutes he ended up playing this year, you're replacing those minutes with a competent point guard on a one-year deal, but also someone not taking time away from whichever point guard they decide to go with for the future, whether it's Dennis Smith Jr. or Frank Nilekina, something like that, I guess is what I'm— But is that competent? But then you got to hope that the competent point guard falls through the cracks and is willing to, you know— yeah. You know, that's—I mean, you can get—you can overpay for Jabari Parker, but— oh. it, is that a step? In, you know what I'm no, saying? That's not. That's. I don't know what step. <laughs> I, that is not the step in the direction I'm talking about. But that's. Uh, but those are the guys you're, that are only. Those are the only guys that are because you got to remember. You know what? It's a good point. Yes, right. Fifty percent of the. You know, there's there's like a lot of the league. A lot of the league is twenty plus million dollars in cap space. There's there's going to be you know a lot of teams that can bid up. You know, I hope that I think they'll wait. The smart decision would be to wait until after the first week where everybody you and know, we we see it every year. Deals every are year. there. Brook Lopez three million dollars. Yeah. Julius Randle eight point nine million dollars. Um, we see it every season, and hopefully the Knicks can take advantage of that. But then do you sign a guy for two to three years? It, it's all going to depend on. Um, it, and, and to answer your question, it makes Mills and, and Perry's job that much harder because there's not a clear directive, and I don't. And and I, I you know. Understandably so. It's not, um, you know, if it was, if you had Durant, then it's okay. Let's win a championship this season and do everything within your power. Um, but now that you don't, um, where do you go from here? It's, it's a, it's a, it'll be a fascinating off season. And I guess it, it, it again, I guess it could be obviously Mills and Perry are hoping that the decision is made for them and that Kawhi falls into the lap or somehow, um, they get a superstar. Maybe, you know, I'd be happy to pay Clay, Clay Thompson the max. Um, but you know, now you figure there's no, you know, signing Kemba Walker would be, there's just no reason for it right now. You know, um, you know, a 30 year old guy, it's just, they're, they're in a very, very odd situation right now. Um, and maybe it'll clear itself out, you know, after the draft and, you know, we have some time to think about, and I'm sure some, some folks will posit some, um, some smart strategies, but it's kind of difficult. There's, there was, there was a clear path 24 hours ago and right now it's murky at best. Um, I think, yeah, that's a good, that's a good way to wrap up. I mean, we're in, we're in, you know, this season in a lot of ways was uncharted waters because the Knicks were attempting something that hadn't, you know, it was kind of unprecedented, um, you know, starting with the, obviously the Porzingis trade and, and now it's like, okay, um, you know, where do you go from here? But we'll have another, uh, I guess what, how many days left? Uh, 19 days to discuss it. And Nine to the draft. It's going to be fun. I'm sure we'll have no no shortage of uh, of conversations um, to to discuss and and go back and forth with uh, over that time. Listen, Tommy, tell tell them uh, where they could find you, please. 
uh, at Tommy Beer on Twitter. You can find all my stuff and links and, and articles and, and nonsense and stats and uh, all that nerdy stuff uh, at Tommy Beer on Twitter. By the way, I, I meant to congratulate. Well, I shouldn't say congratulate because you're you're doing amazing stuff. But um, you got a Zach Lowe shout out um, on his podcast. What was it? A few weeks ago, I think. Um, yes, um, um, it was about some some. Uh, I think it was the, the record without. The, it was the record with exactly, and I was, Zach Lowe's my idol. So <laughs> when he said that, I'm like, "Yeah, Tommy, how you doing?" Me and you both, Zach Lowe is a uh, icon in the industry, no question. Yeah. So uh, listen, everybody out there listening, if you are if you're not following Tommy, then I don't know what the hell's wrong with you. His stuff is always great to read. It's it's must read, really, and I don't I don't say that about much, but. Um, your work absolutely qualifies. I'm looking, really looking forward to the Father's Day piece. I'm, I'm genuinely excited about that. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks for the kind words. Thanks for having me on, and uh, let's do it again soon. Absolutely, 100%. We'll talk soon. Thanks, John.